What's up, y'all? This is wide receiver Deontay Simpson. This is cornerback Cam Johnson. Cornerback Deshaun Getty Jr. Senior forward Zachary Simmons, and you're listening to Bruins Breakdown, your home for North Texas sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and with me is Colin Mitchell, back in McKinney. I'm back in Denton. Colin, how are you doing? Uh, my body's still a little tired, you know, from the drive, but but I think we're okay. Yeah, I mean, it's been over 24 hours since we've gotten back, Colin. You should be okay by now. Okay, I just don't recover like you. You're, uh, you're, just, you're just a lightweight? First of all... <laughs> When I drive ten of the thirteen hours, you gotta give me a you gotta give me some credit. Man, I knew I I volunteered. I was like, hey, I, I can drive more. He's like, no, nope, I got it. Nope, I got it. I'm like, are you sure I can do it? Nope, nope, nope. And now was, look at him. Now he's no rubbing into my face. You were asleep. <laughs> yes, I was asleep. I was asleep for a long time. So basically, when we drove back, it was about let's just say four thirty Central time, and I slept from four thirty Central time to ten basically in the car. After we slept for about three hours in the hotel, because Colin wanted to leave early, that's mm-hmm. another thing. That's your fault. So I wanted to leave early. So, yeah. So you can't get mad at me for not driving. I didn't. I was. I wanted to drive. Yeah. I don't. No. 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 I'm nope. saying it's okay for me to be more tired than you nope, if you slept not. more. It's not. No. Okay. Anyways, anyways, we're gonna recap the 2020-2021 uh, men's basketball season. Uh, what a season it was. Um, maybe look ahead a little bit. I don't know. Who knows? But we don't really have anything definitive as far as people coming back, people, you know, seniors that is coming back or whatnot. So we're not going to get into that as much. Um, I'm under the assumption that they're all leaving. I have no clue if that's true or not. Uh, But, you know, we'll see how all that plays out in the coming months. So I have a few places I want to start. One place. Hold on. Where did my phone go? I threw it. Okay. Um was I listened back to our preseason podcast, Colin. And, you know, sometimes that can be scary because we're wrong sometimes, believe mm-hmm, it or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And other times it can be good because we're right. Um, I found that we were right more than more so than wrong. So that was good. Uh, I say the only places, we'll start with where we were wrong first. Um, obviously, we none of us knew about J.J. Murray being a god so there you go i had Jalen jackson basically doing what Jalen uh jj murray ended up doing right with the three mm-hmm. and d type stuff so um flip that around um but other than that we had the starting five pretty much right uh i want to get into drez here though because the drez thing was the most interesting subplot of this season to me it's i said in the preseason podcast Drez sets the ceiling of this team. Mm-hmm. And when I heard myself say that, I was like, oh my God, look at you. Look at you being right. And lo and behold, man, that's exact that's pretty much exactly what happened. Like, okay, Javion obviously sets uh pretty much the entire ceiling. But you know, Drez can do some of the, the roofing up there, you know, like 10, 15% or so. Cause without Drez, this team doesn't win any postseason games besides maybe middle tennessee right yeah it doesn't matter that Javion puts up all these points but then you go vice versa if it you know it doesn't matter if dress shoots well because if Javion doesn't play well then they don't win either so the difference there though is that Javion was a, was a gimme right yes whereas Javion, uh dress we had nothing we, did, we didn't know what he would do exactly exactly we assumed and that was the whole thing that whole podcast was we assumed 
Javion would get be really really good but that was another thing with him was I asked the question I was like how can we expect Javion to reach the the pinnacle the peak that he had in 2019 2020 right. in 2020 2021 like there was no way I was the whole time I'm just here railing I'm like there's no way we can ask him to shoot 42% from 3 like 89% from the free throw line all this stuff like again and I was like if, even if he's just 90% of that they're going to be fine and I mean, we were pretty much right in that regard as well, because that's really hard to replicate when a, the entire defense is just locked in on you. And um, I'm, I don't want to get into all of our recaps yet, but I just want to run through that last podcast because Drez, Javion, both finding their footing was the key to this team. Um, you did say Javion still has to be the best player, which I agreed with. Uh, role definition was an interesting topic we we went through as well with uh, in the twenty in the nineteen twenty season, it was very defined roles, you know, uh, with Mo being the shooter, Javion being the ball handler, Thomas being the rebounder, et cetera, et cetera, Reese being the shooter. Uh, we were worried. I was worried. You were less worried about the role definition and how you know with Reese being you know emerging and Re- and Thomas emerging and Zach being a senior. You know, a lot of these guys are going to want the ball in their hands a little bit more. How are they going to be able to uh, integrate them and you know, find those roles for people because then also before the season, we didn't know who the JJ was or we didn't know JJ was going to take DJ's spot. We didn't know uh, anyone was going to take Rose's spot in the eight, as the eighth man. You know, we, we had our questions about Terrence. Um, and so it was just a lot of interesting questions when I went back and listened to it. I, I'm i happy that I did that. Um, but I'm also glad that we were so thorough in our in our preview mm-hmm. and that's what i'm always proud of with our with our stuff Colin. so good job to us um but let's let's get into this team here man what it's what a season it was all right so <clears throat> north texas mean green finished the season 18 and 10 9 and 5 in conference play um had a chance to wrap up uh the west division championship in the last week of, weekend of the season against uab but ended up getting swept, which really put them at in a tough position going into the tournament because they didn't get a bye, and they just had zero momentum going into it. And so a lot of questions were being asked. Um, they lost some really tough games to Marshall. They lost um, – I mean, both of those UAB games were pretty much blowouts from UAB's perspective. Yeah, uh, UTSA early in the season was another tough one. La Tech – was a tough one when Javion had a chance to tie it at the end. Um, and then the non-conference season, they had Loyola, Chicago, West Virginia, Mississippi State, and Arkansas as their losses. And they didn't really have an impressive win in the non-conference, if you remember that, right? They were um, easy wins, you know, LSU, Alexandria, Houston Baptist, et cetera, et cetera. So we went in the conference not knowing much about this team, and that was really interesting. So can you think back to that non-conference uh, slate and I don't know. I don't know how to ask this, but what what were we thinking at that point, and how did how did that kind of shape this team? Well, I guess at the time, well, once the non conference games ended, I think we were both under the impression that this team hadn't proved itself against anybody yet. Um, we knew um, Mississippi. We thought Mississippi State was almost a disappointing loss in a way. Um, yeah. Uh, Arkansas, you know, they didn't look that impressive. Uh, Loyola Chicago, we thought there was a chance there. They only put up 47 points. And I think looking back now, though, um, it's a lot more impressive because 
when you see how these teams are doing the tournament, um, how Mississippi State's doing just just in general. Um, I mean, Loyola Chicago's now in the Sweet 16. Arkansas's in the Sweet 16. Um, West Virginia lost to Syracuse in the round of 32. Right, yeah. Those teams made the tournament, is, is my point. And I don't think... Like, we knew those were good teams, but I don't think we, we thought they were good losses in a way at yeah. the time. And I think it kind of made it to where we were like, oh, okay, why isn't Javion doing what he needs to be doing? And why isn't this team doing what they need to be doing? Um, but in hindsight, it's almost like this team did as good as they could have against teams like that. I don't know. I feel like we were some of the most level-headed people um, after those losses. Like, And, I mean, obviously, we still panicked a little bit. I wish I would have listened to that little podcast. I don't know, but... Um, I remember looking on message boards, talking to fans after that Loyola loss, and it was like the sky was falling. Well, I don't mean I, I didn't mean that we thought that the team was like awful. I just mean that we expected them, I guess, to be further along than they were at the time yes. in terms of cohesion yes. and and especially offense. I think that was the big thing. We knew the defense was going to be there. Um, we were more concerned about Javion not really having a groove after he'd already been in the system for a year. I don't think we were concerned about the team being good in conference. It was just how good could they end up being in conference. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. So it was more so because remember in the pre, in the preseason before the season even started, we were like, all right, this is the season that they get some of those big wins, right? This is the season that they win one of those games against whoever. Because I think you remember LSU was on the schedule. There are a couple games on schedule that we were like, okay, they can win these games. Uh, Arkansas, I was like, they could win because Arkansas has a completely new team after those guys got drafted. Um, and so to see them lose those chances, because the whole thing in the non-conference was this team returned so much talent that this it, this shouldn't be a year where they're like, where it's only conference tournament or bust. Right. Right. This should be a year where you're vying for an at-large bid. And the only way to do that is to get one or two significant wins in non-conference season. Right, and I'm pretty sure I said they were going to beat Mississippi State and I think Arkansas at the time. Yeah, yeah, some something like that. We, I mean, we both had high expectations for them coming in, so that's why those losses were so disappointing, especially like the Mississippi State one. Mississippi State wasn't even very good, and they ended up finishing 8th out of 14 in the SEC, which isn't bad by any means. Uh, it's better than they were projected to do, but still at the time we were like, why are they not able to score? Like they should be farther along here. Like you said, Reese, JV on, especially early in the season, just was a shell of himself. Thomas Bell, you go down the list and they still didn't have anybody stepping up. Cause how can you expect, Ru I mean, Ruben Jones showed flashes, especially against the bad teams, but how can you expect Ruben Jones and those guys to come in and really give you a spark when the, the veterans aren't doing what they need to do. So, um, in the non-conference season, it was disappointing. They go through that, and I think they ended four and four in, uh, or five and four, no, four and four in non-conference play going into the UTSA series uh, in San Antonio, which they split. Um, I was there for the for both of those games, and I remember the second game. It just kind of being the same thing. Javion couldn't score. They really struggled struggled on offense late, and they couldn't get any stops. And so after that, then they beat the teams they're supposed to be because at that point if you remember we were like nobody's gonna sweep any series in conference USA. remember that yeah, yeah i was yeah. i kept saying they're gonna best team in conference is gonna go 12 and 6 uh there's no way anyone's sweeping anybody in this year and i was right for the first three weeks but after that then the good team started playing basketball um so then north texas sweeps utep sweeps rice splits la tech um the la tech series was obviously a very big series it was I don't want to say it was disheartening, but Louisiana Tech really showed that they're a legitimately 
good team. Oh, and yeah. And that, that was the first punch in the mouth that they took in conference play that you're like, oh, no, like this team needs to get significantly better to win the conference. Yeah, on the defensive end more so too because we saw Isaiah Crawford and Kenneth Lofton just destroy Zach and Thomas, and especially at the end of the game. And that was that was our real concern, like how are you going to let Isaiah Crawford come down on you three times knowing exactly what he's going to do and, and win the game for him. So um, that was where it was more like this team is good to where, okay, this team has to be a lot better in certain areas to even want to sniff a conference championship. Yep, and because even if – this this is when their three point percentage started dipping just a little bit. And this was when they were only pretty much shooting well against bad teams. And yeah. they, so they shoot six to twenty two in the game that they won against Louisiana Tech uh, from from three. Um, Thomas goes over three. Javion over two. Drez two for five. Reese two for six. Um, and so we're here like, do they have enough shooting at this point? To surround to give Javion even space, or if Javion gets going, which at the time I think this was when I put out that list, all my rankings and stuff, because I was really high on Louisiana Tech, so that's why I had Louisiana Tech high in all those uh, rankings. Um, do they have enough shooting to help Javion if Javion gets going? Um, we knew that they could do on offense, like with Zach Simmons maybe and Thomas Bell, but and Reese occasionally, but off the bench was really sparking them. Remember Ruben and JJ started to emerge as really good players. Abu started to come around, especially in that UTEP series. All three of them played well. Um, Terrence was still in the rotation at this point too. So you had some good depth. Then we move forward. They sweep Southern Miss convincingly twice. Um, they win the first game against Marshall very convincingly, which was a very uh, breath of fresh air. With yep. the, it was a huge breath of fresh air rather. And then, we hit the mark where the second Marshall game was really the turning point of the last part of the regular season because Marshall locked in, like really locked in on defense especially. And then so you had Marshall taking it to the rim a little bit more and a, and they ended up going up. I mean, North Texas had to put on, a, I think it was a 14-something run to come back and end up losing by one when Javion has a shot at the buzzer and misses. Um, and that was the first concerning sign. But we both thought UAB. I remember going back and listening to it. The UAB series we both thought was either a sweep or a split at worst. We never, ever thought they would get swept. And so that was my whole. That's another thing. Looking back on it, I keep I keep just going back to stuff. But a lot of people are like, "Oh man, you know." Uh, I just want to say nobody saw this run coming. That's what I want. Oh to say. yeah, yeah, absolutely not. Nobody, nobody, and we both except me, but yeah, yeah, but still, even even then, it was like a oh yeah, UNT's gonna win it. Yeah, they're gonna win it. Yeah, but anyways, um, after the UAB series, which we both thought they were gonna sweep, got thought they were gonna win, so we're very high on them at this point. Still, regardless, they get swept by a UAB team that got swept by Louisiana Tech. And so we're here like, okay, UAB is a bad, bad matchup. Louisiana Tech is a bad matchup. Western Kentucky is a bad matchup. After the UAB series, we're like, this team is not shooting the ball well. This team uh, does not have that singular player that is capable of doing what Javion did last year. Even though Javion had a good series against UAB, let me check the stats. Second game, he had 19 points. I, remember, I think both those games he had about 19, 20 points and five assists. So he was good. But then you get to the point where, again, those stars are playing 40 minutes per game. And so we're like, all right, not only are these stars having to play 40 minutes, 
but they're not shooting the ball well. And to be frank, they're not even really defending very well because the UAB dropped 65 twice on them. Yeah. I just... We were so high on them. And I think you stayed a little higher on them just because of the potential. But right. there was no substance to go with that potential after losing three straight games. Like, that's not what we do here. We don't we don't sit here and say, oh, well, they lost three straight games, but what if what if they do well uh, shooting the ball from three? We, no, right. we I look mean, at matchups I mean, here. I mean, even after that podcast, we were like, we were like okay, in the tournament, Drez isn't going to do anything. He's going to be Drez. Uh, yep. Javion is probably still going to be inefficient unless he has like a one good game or two. Yeah. Um, and their defense will probably get better. Like those, that's, that's what we said. Yeah. And so we were hoping the defense just kind of carried them to an extent. And we saw middle Tennessee as the first game. And I brought this up on that podcast was I was saying, you know, maybe it's a good thing they get middle Tennessee first to try to get their feet under them. Um, looking back on it, I don't think it would have mattered. I don't think it would matter if they played Middle Tennessee or got a bye. I really think that they just... If you, if you asked me after after the conference tournament, I would have said, yes, it helped. After watching them play Purdue, I don't think it would have helped. I, I just don't. I just think it was a different mentality, which you yeah. always talk about. Um, but yeah, sure, it can't... It a probably shot. Did. It prob- what was the shot? Were you taking a shot at me? No, no, <laughs> which no. Which you always talk about. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. But anyways, the Middle Tennessee win, I think, did help them, help them get acclimated to the environment because it was a postseason run which again no player has played in conference Tuesday tournament except for zachary simmons to this before this season Mm -hmm. like this is different territory it doesn't matter that they played western kentucky in the regular season title at home last year like this is different so they beat middle tennessee kind of convincingly after getting down early you know it's like okay cool they did it then you get old dominion they win that one after uh in a very very physical game louisiana tech even more physical 54 48 uh but this is where the interior defense starts coming around and that's a big thing for this team is the interior defense just really really turned around once they played old dominion and that was the difference i i think that's one of the biggest defensive difference if not the biggest defensive difference was once they played Old Dominion, they locked down the paint, and then they just did that for the next four games. And it was almost a switch because Zach didn't have a good Old Dominion game defensively. They brought had to bring in Abu, and Abu basically saved their season against Old Dominion when he yeah. played 13 minutes and just walled up. And then they had Michael even in for a stretch, and that was when we first saw Michael, and we were like, Whoa, what? What is happening? Yeah. Um, and then after that, Zach was... I mean, we saw him against Bassey. Like, it didn't yeah. make a difference. We saw him against Kenneth Lofton, and yeah. Kenneth Lofton did nothing in that LaTeX game. So it's crazy how there was, like, a, a switch flipped that we didn't think was possible after watching that whole regular season where the issue, the same issues were happening over and over again, and then all of them went away in the conference tournament because there, there wasn't a weakness on this team in the conference tournament. Yep. I mean, and especially, I think we go back and look at it more. They really got a favorable... It, Having UAB and Western on the same side of the draw was the best possible scenario here. I still think UAB is a very, very good, tough matchup for North Texas. Like, that UAB team, A, they were up on Western for a majority of that game. Um, But I just think UAB is a really tough matchup. And so for those two to play on the other side of the semifinal and leave North Texas, Louisiana Tech on this side was – and Louisiana Tech without Kobe Williams. um, Obviously, then we have to talk about Ruben Jones not playing, which was really uh, just – it sucked – to be honest, like uh, he had such a good freshman season. We wanted to see him in these moments, but I mean, he has such a long career ahead of him that we're excited to see him. Um, but Louisiana Tech, 
just they again they locked down the paint. Kenneth Lofton, Lofton Isaiah Crawford didn't do much at all, and they didn't have the firepower from the perimeter to hurt North Texas. And then Western Kentucky, North Texas. I mean, we we all know how that game went. It was just an incredible game. Go, North Texas goes up 17-0. Western comes back. North Texas outscores them by seven in the final three minutes to force overtime and win in overtime. And then we go to Purdue, which still fresh on everybody's minds here. Just the win in the Grant McCaslin era, which is crazy because the Western Kentucky win could have easily been the win in the Grant McCaslin era. But now he has two wins over Western Kentucky for championships and he has one NCAA tournament win. Yeah. Like that is, that's absurd. That yeah. Is absurd. Especially when it's never been done before in terms of uh, the Purdue game. And then on top of that, you play four games in four days to be a team that's been favored all year to win it because they have an NBA player. They have returning uh, Josh Anderson and Tavon Holland. I mean, they had the whole thing. This is their year. Right. Yep. And I even said that if Western gets to that game, they're going to use, all the all the hate they've been getting the last three years for not uh, for underperforming expectations, and they would use that to will themselves to a game uh, to win that game. And I mean, at the end of the day, it was North Texas who uh, decided to will themselves over. Yeah, and so you know, I had my bracket torn up by uh, Ren Baker, <laughs> and so then the rest is history. The confetti falls, and it's just an incredible scene at that point. Purdue, then we get to the Purdue game. And this is where I'm most proud of us, Colin. Very proud of us here. Mm. We watched, you watched like two games of Purdue. I watched three games of Purdue. And man, I guess our basketball savvy just really mm. just is just on another level. Because how in the on. world, how in the <laughs> world, Colin, can we perfectly predict what's going to happen in that game against North Texas and, and Purdue? That's I true. don't know. But still, North Texas beats Purdue in overtime 78-69 to after leading for 40 minutes, and if you want to go listen to our podcast, uh, which I'm assuming most of y'all did, um, it's a 25-minute podcast where we say, not an upset, that's the title of it. And what a podcast. I listened to that actually this morning, so um, go check that out if you haven't already. And then they play Villanova, and Villanova shoots the lights out and Barry's North Texas, you know, nothing really they could do about that. Um, I Even if Villanova, if Villanova didn't shoot the ball well, it would have been a way more interesting game. I still think they would have had trouble because Villanova's defense was very, very good. Not only that, there would have been different things on offense that they would have done. Like they would have posted up like they did against Reese, you know, three or four yeah. times. And, yeah, they, they um, were versatile. Right, yeah, they just didn't have to do those things because they were just shooting lights out, which is, it was yeah. insane to watch. But hey, you know, you get you get that 21 to 13 lead was almost the icing on the cake to the Purdue game so yes exactly let's just end the season right there 21 13 over <laughs> Villanova in the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament but um man that's that's the season from top to bottom and we are thankful to be able I said this on the post game podcast I mean we're thankful to be able to cover them and thankful that they had they were able to put together this type of season because mm-hmm. they made it a lot of fun to cover like Whew, man, that is an incredible year, and with so many seniors and experienced dudes on these te- this team, and for us to have covered them for so long, that it's just it feels um, f- fulfilling for them. Like I feel fulfilled for them. Like yeah. I I can only imagine the feeling that they have at this point um, after what they've been through. Like to have their the season cut short in 2019-20, um, to go through all the COVID stuff and to have games canceled, pick back up. Remember they're supposed to play like Oklahoma State and stuff like that in the preseason. So um, all credit to this coaching staff. And, man, I'm excited for the future. But before we get to the future, 
let's go player by player here. Okay. Let's talk about whether they underachieved, overachieved, or uh, properly achieved. <laughs> okay. Um, and let's just go in terms of minutes played. Javion Hamlin, man. Do you think he overachieved, underachieved? He was first team all conference. Um, if you remember, like I said, in the preview, pre in the preview podcast, we both said it's going to be very tough for him to replicate his success from the past season. So with that being said, do you think he underachieved, overachieved, or properly achieved? Overachieved. They won, a, they won against Purdue. That's it. And he scored 25 against Villanova. Now, if they didn't do that, then you'd probably say properly achieved just because they, like if they didn't win the Purdue game, I should say, because it was expected of them to win the conference tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, he absolutely dominated in Purdue. And he absolutely, he was the best player on the court in Purdue, and he was one of the best players in the court uh, against Villanova despite their loss. So, I mean, that's all you could ask for. You can you can wipe away the rest of the season right there for you know all the things we that he didn't do you know against UTSA or UAB um, because those games at the end of the day didn't matter. I'm gonna say that he properly. Here achieved. we go. He here we exactly go. where we where. Okay, so like I said in the in the beginning. Um, there was no way he was shooting 42% from three this year. There was no way he was shooting 50 50 plus percent from the field just because of the attention defenses gave him. So I give him a little leeway there. He ended the season shooting about 44% from the field, 30, 38% from three, which is just tremendous. Um, 88% for the free throw line. Like we don't need to go through his stats. We know how good he is. I'm really interested if did we get the end of the year JV on Hamlet early in the season what this season looks like what do you mean if we get the Javion hamlet that came to life let's just stay at the start of the uab series when he started averaging pretty much 19 a game mm-hmm. if we get that Javion hamlet for mississippi state uh he showed flashes for west virginia but let's say loyola chicago etc cetera, etc cetera. i'm really interested to see how this season goes because I really think he's good enough, he's great enough of a player to have carried them to wins in non-conference season. Okay, but what does that lead to? It could have led to a higher seed. That's true. Could have led to an That's automatic birth. Could have led to a lot of different things. Now, but why compare him to something that could have happened compared to what? That's what happen? we've done this. That's what we've done this entire season, though. We've we've compared him to what he expects of himself. We've compared we compared him, him to what he already has done. Yeah, to what he's already done. And if he, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If he was what he was in 2019-20 and he just continued that throughout this entire season, this team is probably a 10 seed in the tournament. <laughs> like you said it like that. I guess like, when you think about it that way, I mean, damn. I'm just saying. And this is not it. I mean, come on now. We're comparing great to all-time great. Like this isn't a bash or anything. But I think he properly achieved because this is what I expected it from him. I expected him to be great like this. Um, Fair. Fair. I expected him to be, in, in fact, I expected him to be even better. I expected him to be like this for the entire season. And he'll tell you himself he was not this for the entire season. So um, I think he performed right up to par. He performed overachieved when it mattered most, which is what he's been doing his entire career at North Texas. And so, man, he just had an amazing year. Amazing, amazing year. And he was the MVP of this team by far. You know, we always do MVP. It, it, he was the MVP of this team again. Yeah. And um, what a career. What a career for Javion Hamlet. 
and all respect to him and just goddamn what a season, what a season. <laughs> all right anything else in him no all right J- james reese mm. this is an interesting case here this is a tough one go ahead because his defense was tremendous this year obviously always guarding the all right the let, me, let, me read his, let me read his stats while you while you simmer uh 42 from the field 34 from three 77 from the free throw line 4.3 rebounds um about one and a half assists per game and almost two steals a game also i'm gonna so. say underachieved mostly because i think there was a lot of hype for a jump that mm-hmm. we were supposed to see um to where he wasn't just a spot-up shooter and he, he, he averaged 11 he points per game as well yeah um which which he wasn't at times you know we saw him do dribble pull-ups but that was mostly when the offense was struggling it wasn't necessarily a go-to thing for him um, and then in times where it mattered for threes in, in certain aspects of certain games, he didn't hit threes. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that was our main gripe on him this season was, when are you going to not go, you know, three of nine from three or something like that? You know what I mean? Like, obviously, he hit threes. He hit some big threes. But he wasn't the, the go-to sniper that DJ was, for example, or that he even was last year. And I think that if you have that on this team, it's a lot more helpful. Yeah. Um. So, and it's hard, man. It's hard to critique anything about this team after right, the because they are they, they are so great as a team, and because of what they've accomplished. But but like you said, so, I guess to your point about Javion is comparing to them what you know they're capable of. Yeah, it's yeah. the same thing. Like we know that Reese can go, you know, six to yeah. ten from three. Yeah, and so it's not looking at what this team has accomplished as a team because what they've accomplished as a team is historically great. Right, the right? best. <laughs> yeah, the best team ever in North Texas history. Like, there's there's no debate in that. But if you if y'all want us to just come on a podcast and be like, this team was great, and then just you know wrap it up from there, we can do that. We can have a four minute podcast where we just repeat this team is great for five minutes. But I want I really I'm interested to look at this season as a whole and look at these players from an individual perspective. And James Reese, I think I'll disagree with you a little bit. I'm gonna say that he properly was. What what was the term I was using? Properly rated. Properly rated, sure. Um, or performed or delivered. Performed, whatever. yeah. Pro- properly properly delivered. performed uh, up to expectations with 11 points per game. I think, like you said, his defense kind of puts him there. I think that's where. Yeah, I mean, he's come up he's come up big defensively. Um, yeah. But again, that three-point shooting to outscore other teams, I should say. Yeah, and he Not was just... still 34%, but he wasn't taking tough enough looks to where right, I, if, I, I still the think he's 37%. The, the eye so. test is kind of what kind of what loses it for me i guess in a way um just when the threes have come and when they haven't come is all yeah um and again he had a terrific season uh he had a terrific run in the conference tournament where he injured his wrist and went over six against louisiana tech and then comes down and hits two threes early against western kentucky yeah um his toughness has never been in doubt his playmaking his or i'm sure not say his playmaking his Reliability. energy has never been Reliability. in doubt i mean he's a great player I will say properly uh, performed 11.6 points per game in conference play. Um, big season from James Reese. I'm still shocked that only one player made all conference team from this team. Stupid. Whatever. Um, James Reese or Thomas or Zach could have all been named second team, but whatever. All right. Um, yeah. Great season from James Reese, senior. Again, great player on defense as well. You had him on your all defensive team. I had him. Um, I did not. I had Thomas on my all defense yeah. team. Speaking of Thomas Bell, um, it's interesting. 
right? I'm, I'm going to read off his conference stats here. Okay. Shot 43% from three. Wow. On 39 attempts. So almost three attempts per game. He's shooting 40, wow. 44%. Uh, six rebounds. Uh, da, da, 16 blocks, so which led the team in 14 games. Uh, scoring 11 points per game. Uh, what do you think? Thomas is tough for me. Okay. Do you want me to go Be- first? No. Uh, I only say he's tough because it, he was super inconsistent at times um, in certain aspects of his game. Like, he came up big when you weren't really expecting it, and he didn't come up big when you thought he was going to do it. And I mean that in a game-by-game basis, not a uh, moment-by-moment basis, because obviously he had – you're giving me squinty eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, there were plenty of games where he was not the best player on the court, on the yes. team. Yes. But then there were games like the Western game where he just decided to come out – or not the Western game, the Purdue game where he just decided to come out and score the team's seven of the first nine points. And it's like, Thomas? Like, like I guess that – and I guess that's what's kind of the underrated part about him. In the terms that he's not he's not the go-to guy, but he gets his when he can get his. Um, man, you know what? I'm gonna say overachieved because his inside field goal percentage is also insane. It was probably it was like 68 percent last time I looked. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna say overachieved because his defense was tremendous. Complete. I mean, he had a huge block against Purdue, uh, the huge three against Western to bring them back. And Purdue. And Purdue in overtime. So yeah, I'll go overachieved. I will agree. I think he over overachieved. Um, man, what he was the most underrated player for this team the entire season. I've said it before. I say I'll say it again. I'll continue to sing his praises uh, because he is the glue that may, put this team together on defense. Just his versatility, the way he can block shots, the way he can get out on the perimeter, the way he was able to shoot the ball, even though he had a couple rough games to um, in the season against La Tech and Western, and then uh, Purdue. He was still like, he had bad games late, and he still was able to shoot that high of a percentage. Like that should tell you how good he was for stretches of conference play from shooting the ball. And when he was able to shoot the ball, this team just went to another level. So I'm gonna go Thomas Bell overachieved. Just again, another great senior season for um, a start on this team. Now let's go to Zachary Simmons. He averaged 10.6 points per game, averaged 2.4 assists per game, which was second. Um. 11 blocks in conference play. Uh, what else? 74% from the free throw line. Remember when he was shooting in the 50s? Man, we've come a long way. Um, and yes, yeah, 70% almost in conference play. 69% in conference play, Colin. Do you think he overachieved, underachieved, or properly achieved? Properly achieved. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a huge bad stretch of games. Those last four or five games where it was like, you know, just super inefficient, turning the ball over. Louisiana and, and... Tech and UAB, I think, are the main two. Yeah, I mean, yeah, those are the main series. But he wasn't like he wasn't like the Zach of, I guess, last year, whatever you want to call it. Um, before that, it started it started to come down where you know he we weren't using him in this po- in the post as much. He wasn't making you know those super good passes to to the wings. But his defense against Charles Bassey, his defense against Kenneth Lofton. And his defense against Travion Williams against Purdue made up for it. I mean, 100%. And uh, Reem, Reem told me something uh, against that Western game that he he was the most confident because, and I think I said this on that podcast after that too, is that he wasn't going to go out of punk. And man, he did not go out of punk. <laughs> so so this, uh, you know what? I just talked myself into overly achieving. He overly okay, achieved. Okay, there we go. He overly achieved. 
That's another, all, those, like, all those three games alone. It's kind of like Javion where it's like, you know what, man? They came through when it mattered. So what does it matter the rest of the season at this well, point? Well, no, no, no. I'm, but I mean this in the sense like his – because like if you could you could argue that the La Tech in the UAB games, it was on him that they lost like defensively, yes. right? Yes. yes. Um, whereas the Western La Tech and the Purdue ones, yes, Javion had really good games, but you don't win that game if Charles Bassey only scores – or goes, what, like 4-17 from the field or whatever stupid – thing it was yeah, or it was bad yeah and then if you don't keep Trayvon Williams in check or if you let Kenneth Lofton do exactly what he did to you and and Isaiah Crawford for that matter do exactly what they did to you uh in that La Tech series so in my mind I guess that completely makes up for that and it basically won them a championship yeah I'm gonna go with your first point I think he properly achieved um I don't know what else we could have asked for him I I do wish he was a little better in the post which sounds crazy to say considering how good he was in the post. Um, I, I feel like there was some room for him to uh, be dominant in there. And I don't feel like he was dominant. I feel like he came through when they needed him to. And I feel like he was good in the post. But um, there were some times where I kind of just envisioned them throwing him the ball and then him getting them a bucket, right? Um, which didn't happen too, too much. Um, it wasn't as fluid at times. He had, a, had a little, He had more turnovers this year than he did in years past. Uh, he led the team in turnovers in conference play at 45 and 14 games. So you do the math, probably like four points to a game or something like that. Um, but yeah, actually that's not four. That's like three and a half, but whatever. Um, I, I think he's probably achieved. I think he probably achieved. I think he's a good, good offensive player was very efficient, gave them a nice rim presence. He shot the free throw well, and he defended really well, which, like you said, that's all that really matters is that he defended well, and that was a big thing for this team. All right, next, a very difficult player to assess, Mardrez McBride. Now, like I said already, um, Mardrez McBride, or like we've said on this podcast, really, Mardrez McBride in conference play shot 29% from three, 37% from the field, Average 5.6 points per game, uh, 1.7 rebounds, 1.2 assists. Um, yeah, played 21 minutes a game, basically. If you remember, and I don't want to influence your decision at all, but um, if you remember, there were stretches where he wouldn't even play 20 minutes per game. Oh, no, I remember. Like, like I, like I I'm looking at it right now, UTEP 19, Rice 22, LaTeX 18, LaTeX 20, Southern Miss 17, Marshall 20, Marshall 17. UAB 18, UAB 15. Minute, those are minutes played. So, I'll go first here. Wow. <sighs> Man, dude. Actually, I'll let you go first because I don't know what I'm going to say. Oh, I already know what I'm going to say. Underachieved. Completely underachieved. Sorry, Drez. Yes, you came up huge in the Purdue game and huge in the Western game. You became a completely different player once you got the fro. <laughs> it does not make up for what we got in conference play i'm sorry and even before that like completely different looking player in the tournament and i guess the ncaa tournament um and whatever it was it worked that that flipped that switch but man it was awful i mean jj he was basically a poor man's jj for half the season he was yeah yeah. And he couldn't get to the paint. You know, it made JV on to where he, he was the only player that could get to the paint. JJ got to the paint more than he did in the conference season. Yeah. But like I said, he, tur- he turned it back around. And that's, I guess, all that matters at this point. But, man, during the conference season, underachieved. Completely underachieved. Nothing could make up for it. And 
we always have this discussion with junior college players. McCaslin talks about it all the time. Um, that it does take players like this a while to get adjusted, right? Um, however, that still does not excuse the fact that what happened happened, right? Right. Like, not only that, it was a he even had drop offs from other games where he's shooting really good from three, and then all of a sudden yeah, can't hit. It a wasn't consistent. For, it right. wasn't consistent. Like all we all we asked for, you know, was like seven points a game and shooting like a thirty three percent clip would have been nice. Um, and he didn't, you know, come up to that standard. But um, again, it is hard for junior college players to get adjusted. So we, I give him that line. I'm gonna say he properly achieved, even though there were stretches of no this stop. Uh, How can stretches. you say he's, he properly achieved there when he came st- in to replace Mo? Yes, and he didn't get to the basket. He Mo uh, got to the basket more than he did. Yes, you're right. Um, and he shot worse than Mo. He defended better than Mo. He was brought in to do what Mo did better. He defended better than Mo. You can defend better than you, the JJ can defend better than Mo. You're right. You're right. Jalen um, defends better than Mo. You're right. You're right. Okay. So how are you gonna say he properly achieved? No, this is the only one I'm picking a bone with you on. You I, I just I, I'm just giving achieved. him I'm you giving can't. I'm giving him credit. You I'm giving him credit for you, those you're gonna last give five everyone games. properly achieved, aren't you? You don't have is a that single what I've under- done so far. I think that's what I've done. Yeah, you you, you don't have a single underachieved. You're too scared. Uh, if Drez isn't an underachieve for you, I don't know who is. Oh, we have some. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. Um, I just think it's tough considering how good he was the last five games. Four or six. Okay, you can, let's just you, go five you can be, games. No, no, no. You One can be two, fine. Four, six, three, hey, six, no, no, three, no, no, seven, no, 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 no. You are using. I'm using the argument you did for Javion against you. That that those that the last five games made up for the rest of the season. You cannot do that with Dres because Dres had a way worse he's regular not season. On Hamlet. He doesn't have to be Jake on Hamlet. Oh, he had to be a spot up shooter in the corner and couldn't do that. You're right. And you're gonna say he properly achieved? I think that he. This is awful. Properly awful achieved. Take. Awful uh, take. Remember, remember, that remember, remember all those. Hey, remember all those lineups you showed me on Synergy wherever whenever he was on the court, it was awful. Do you remember that? Yeah, you're right. Do you remember how Ruben Jones, a freshman who yeah. played in high school, yeah. outplayed him? Yeah, you're right. High school? No, you think high were... school? You think high school's a, a smaller jump than from JUCO? <laughs> Look, there were a lot of moments where he was borderline unplayable. All right, I'm not going to say that he wasn't. Uh, however, I'm putting a lot of weight in that championship dress run. I, dis- run. I dislike that. So you you can try to use the Javion argument against me, but J- Javion ended the season with higher. Right, but we expected as him Javion to at least get to the. Paint. We expected Drez to do more. I'm not going to say we didn't, but those last five games kind of turned it around. But I I'm not mad at you for that. I'm not mad at you for saying underachieved. Wow. I'm cool with that. Wow. I think I'm just excited for next year from Drez. The Drez next year is going to be insane. Insane. But. You can't say that he didn't underachieve. You're right. You're probably right. All right. You're probably right. Wow. Here we go. Next up is Ruben Jones, freshman, as we all know, injured. Like I said, got injured late in the season. Um, he ended 21 minutes per game at 34% from the field, 39% 39% from three in conference play, um, 80% from the free throw line, averaged five points per game. And how many assists are we talking here? 1.8 assists per game and 22 turnovers. What do you think? Uh, he overachieved. I thought I just wanted to be DJ. 
in the corner. That's all I wanted to be this year, and he did everything in that and more. Um, man, it would have been nice to see him in the tournament. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he progressed fast. He had some insane highlight plays for yep. the times that he did play, and he just has that it thing about him that Javion has. And, uh, yeah, overachieved. Yeah, same. Uh, his passing is tremendous. His shooting is already up to par. Uh, I think his ability to read pick and rolls is already pretty much there. I think he's gonna the game's gonna continue to slow down for him. I think it was an interesting adjustment to see him go from Yates to North Texas just because of how dis- different the play styles are. And I'm glad that he's settled in. I'm glad that he has found his uh, comfort zone. And I think that he'll continue to be great. And I think um, there's a great chance that he starts next year and that he does amazing things. So we'll see how how that goes. But even if I mean. No matter what role he's in next year, it's going to be a big role, and he's going to be really, really good. So, yep, excited to see what he he does in the future. But overachieved, definitely. Um, next, JJ Murray, um, twenty-two minutes per game, thirty-one uh, percent from three in conference play, eighty-four percent from the free throw line, three point four points per game. You know, all the all the great eighteen steals in his minutes as well in conference play. So, uh, what do you got for JJ? JJ overachieved. Uh, we didn't think he was going to do anything other than defend spot minutes like Jalen, and this dude came in when Drez was having issues and decided to be the best friend of the court and just make stuff happen whenever he was on the court. Um, that lineup, the second you bring out James Reese and you bring in JJ Murray, it was like the same amount of defensive. De- like you didn't lose defense despite yes. him not having the size that James Reese has. So uh, overachieved. Yeah, uh, again, the J.J. Rubin minutes were huge for this team in the conference season when everybody else was trying to get their feet under them. J.J. and Rubin just gave that spark that this team needed. So, um, J.J., man, I just can't I can't believe how great he was this year for this team. Like, we got to the end of the season where against Purdue and Villanova where he was literally playing 30 minutes almost. Like, he was playing between 20 and 30 minutes a game. Um I'm really impressed with J.J. Murray. And again, all all credit to him and all credit to Coach McCaslin, who told me season after season he was the best defender on the team. And I was like, yeah, okay, Coach, all right. And then what happens? J.J. Murray goes out and becomes the best defender on the team, basically, or at least best perimeter defender. So shout out J.J. Murray, overachieved for me. This is where it gets interesting now. Mm. Let's go Abu Usman, 7.6. Um, or I shouldn't say that. 7.6 minutes per game in conference play. Um, forty-eight percent from the field. What do you got? I expected Shaquem two in terms of coming in as a freshman and doing something as a big, and we got thirteen minutes of just great defense against ODU, and then minutes of great defense against Trayvon Williams when Zach had two fouls. So, give me overachieved. Plus, yeah. this dude had some big buckets. This dude scored on Charles Bassey. Yep. You think you think Shaquem? Shane, Tope. Hey, this is this is not a Shaquem shaming podcast. Did, it, did okay. I didn't I name the four other players? Mark, Shane. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> that's it. That's there's it. another big on the roster somewhere. Jacob Limit. Gross. <laughs> he's he's like six foot three, but okay. That's not true. Gross is bigger than that. I thought he was a guard. He's looking this up. I'm gonna say six four. Nah, you can't go up anymore. You can't Um, go up anymore. Anyways, this dude actually came in and played. He played big minutes, and he did, I mean, he had a dunk against Purdue. Like, he's going to be a good player. He's Zach's replacement. Like, and you couldn't say that about any of the other bigs that they've recruited. 
Yep. Uh, gross was 6-4, by the way. All right. Anyways, um, I agree with you. Abu overachieved. Tremendous. Like, I was not expecting him to be playable, honestly. Because like, when he got to campus, he was overweight. He was couldn't get off the ground. Dude worked hard. Like, he couldn't get off the ground. He couldn't defend. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that he did really well was he actually defended. And it was and it was a – we saw it progress throughout the season at a ridiculous rate. Like, he, yeah. he was basically borderline unplayable when we first saw him in games. Like, he'd play, like, one or two minutes here or there, and then you'd have Terrence come in. And then it went up to, okay, we're going to play against Charles Bassey. I'm going to, like, not let them score. And I'm going to play against Old Dominion and not that let them score. Yeah. And that's crazy. Yeah, and it basically eliminated Terrence, who we'll get to in a second, from the rotation because, remember, early in the season, the thought was – the coaching staff everybody thought all right whenever zach's out we'll just move thomas to the five and put terrence at the four mm-hmm. right that was the whole thinking and that was the plan and then maybe throw abu in there sprinkle him in there a couple minutes here and there but then once abu became really playable then it was like okay now we can keep our defense at a really high level because you throw abu out there and then either you know terrence was still kind of playable so they kept terrence out there at the four if they needed to back up thomas or you put Thomas there or you put Reese there, like you have a lot of different options there at the four once Abu became playable. Right. And so um, a lot of credit goes to Zachary Simmons as well for helping him evolve as a player. But like you said, the way that he progressed this season, we were not expecting that. We weren't expecting him to just come in and be playable by halfway through the season. And that's what happened. So all credit to him. Next, Terrence Lewis, which is an interesting case. Because he played a lot early in the season. Played 15 minutes per game, basically, early in the season. Then completely tailed off, and they didn't play him at all, basically, in the tournament or postseason. Um, But he can score the ball. Uh, He can rebound the ball. And he shot 48% from the field, 33% from three. And I think he's going to be a fine player next year. I'm sticking by that, but you go ahead. You go first. You see the look I just gave you? Yes. How many points do you average a game? You want me? Let me get his per thirty six numbers up, and then we can talk, okay? Get Abby's right. per thirty six up. I can get both of them up. You you talk about you talk about him. I needed. I want you to just name off his points points scored and how many threes he attempted in a game. Oh, he can shoot. I'm not saying he could shoot. I just didn't want you to be misleading here on this on this podcast. That's all. Okay. 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 First I got of it. all, I got it. I got it. Here, okay. Let me go. Per 40 minutes, I'll just go full season per 40 minutes. Terrence Lewis averaged the second most points per 40 minutes on the team. Okay. 25.5 points per 40 minutes. 25.5 points. Right behind him is Larry Weiss at 23.2 <laughs> minutes. 23.2 points. Uh, guess who's last in this category in points per 40 minutes? Javion? No. I was only going to say that just because he played more. He played so much. Uh, last. Zach? No. One more guess. The guard. JJ? It is JJ Murray. Average 8.7 points. Oh, this is per 100 possessions. Per 100 possessions. So there you go. I'm sorry. Per 40 minutes, Terrence was still second at 16.6 points per game. Per 40 minutes. Say 25 points per 40 minutes. Let's just play this dude. <laughs> No, uh, listen, man. No knock on Terrence here. Dude was supposed to bring it. He had to come in and replace Dangu. Obviously, huge, huge, you know, order, especially when he's not the tall as tall. Um, yeah. 
But offensively, man, he just wasn't there, in my opinion. He I think defense was the bigger problem. Defense, I mean, any, oh yeah, defensively still I don't think it was problem. offense. I think it was offense. But, but if you can't play offense, there's no reason to have you on the court anyways if you can't play defense. That's similar to how Drez, like, just put JJ out there and you get the same thing except better. Yeah, but... So, sorry, what? No, go ahead. And I... Just when stuff... So when he was on the court, stuff just didn't happen. I mean, stuff did happen when he was on the court with Ruben and JJ. He just had to be on the court with the right people. I yeah, think, I think that's a product more Offensively, I completely disagree with you. I think offensively, he's a fine player. I think mm-hmm. he has a good touch around the rim. I think he can go up for dunks occasionally. I think he can stretch the floor occasionally. Um, and I think next year, he's going to be pretty good. Defensively is where I had the problem with him. Defensively, I don't think he is playable at the four at the moment. He's definitely not playable at the five. Um, but he's just not even close to what Dang or Thomas did. And that's tough because he didn't feel like he fit with his team defensively. Yeah. Because at the forward position, they're used to being so big at the four and five that to play Thomas, to play Terrence there, it was just like, what does he do? He's not James Reese and he's not Thomas Bell and he's not Dangu. So right. when we just sit here and we're like, okay, well, what does he do on defense? It's like he can't guard the perimeter, he can't guard the inside. So it was a tough adjustment for him. But um, I think that was his downfall more so than anything. So I'm I'm gonna push back a little bit on the Terrence. I'm gonna say he underachieved. All right. Okay. I I'm gonna my, say he underachieved. I had my head in my hands for a second. I'm gonna say he underachieved. But I I think next year there's room for him to become a viable player. So, all right. Um, next we'll go Jalen Jackson. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say underachieved. Oh, you just um, you just skip. This is the first one you skipped. You have some slight. You have some. They don't have any. Gym? There's no stats, man. What do you want me to say? He was one of six from the field in conference play. <laughs> one of six from the field. played 45 minutes. Like I don't know what you want me to say here. Listen, man. Um, JJ. Jalen. Sorry. J Jack. J Jack. He is exactly the same player as he was when he got here. I kind of agree. But I was kind like, of also like he, excited that Jalen could progress. I think if okay, if JJ didn't play, I do think there's a world where Jalen Jackson plays significant minutes and isn't bad. Like I do, you, but I just what, don't think. Look, I don't think there's room on this team for two small guards to back up JJ on him. No, 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 for sure. So, but like when he was once on the JJ court, Murray, once JJ different? Murray, once JJ Murray stepped up and was a four years older than him basically and b <laughs> or at least four years older because i know jalen's old but still jj murray comes in with all this experience all this strength and uh shooting prowess and just more comfort on offense so once that happened then jalen was done jalen needs to look at jj murray and be like how do i get there next year because how if he can become as good as jj murray was next year then we're talking if not, then I have a hard time seeing him playing next year because there's going to be a slew of transfers, and we'll, we'll get into this later. But Jalen needs to take a massive step forward. So I'm kind of agreeing with you. He didn't progress enough. The th- thing is, but also, sorry. J.J. Murray breaking onto the scene eliminated the room for him to really break out, right? Because in, even if he was just as good as J.J. or if he was slightly below J.J., they're not going to play him still because they're not going to play, you know, two small guards there. But see, I don't, I still Especially see, with Ruben. like, I don't see how Jalen can play without the ball in his hands. He can shoot the ball better. Simple. Right. But I like, 
I don't think JJ that just did it. J- but he see, can JJ play exactly like JJ. But JJ isn't the JJ. What I'm saying is like off ball, like movement wise, like. Yes, JJ like, is a smart cutter. JJ is right, exactly. Ball. I don't see Jalen as that. Okay, okay, well, no, no, that's what he has all off season to work on. Is well, look at JJ, see exactly what JJ did, and do that. Then he can be JJ. Be JJ Murray. Wear the undershirt, you know. <laughs> Without the Murray, he'll just be JJ. Yeah, JJ is now JJ. JJ. All right, no, just JJ. See what JJ did and do that. See what DJ Draper did and do that. That that those are your guys. Shoot shoot fifty four percent from three. Those are your dudes. Go get in the gym. Get your three point shot right. That might be first and foremost. And B, learn how to move off the ball and be, continue to be an incredible defender. So I th- I'm obviously Jalen underachieved, but I'm confident that he there is a way that he can break out next year. Okay. All right, next, Michael Robinson. This is interesting because he basically didn't play at all the entire season except for when it mattered. So, good luck. We thought he was in a red shirt, so overachieved. There you go. Yeah, but then I guess there's no red shirt in really. So. Right, but we thought he was in a red shirt because we didn't think he had a place on this team. Yeah. So I will say he overachieved because he was able to carve himself out of place. Yeah, and he showed potential. He did. So there you go. Um... Last but not least, Larry Weiss, um, gone but not forgotten. Um, <laughs> obviously transferred early in the season at this point. Man, I was kind of high on him at, at, to a degree. I thought that he could kind of help this team. Uh, he was talented. I have a lot of people around the team and you know a lot of my uh, connections with the team told me how good he was. And I just kept taking their word for it. I was like, okay, cool. JJ's he, Larry's gonna do something next year, and you know, it didn't really work out. We kind of discussed it on the um, preview podcast as well that I went and listened to. It's like, what could we expect Jay, uh, Larry to do because he has to have the ball in his hands? So, right, Ruben just um, basically took that away from him. Exactly, and Ruben is better than Larry. So, um, yeah, best of luck to Larry in his future endeavors. But I wanted to. Also. Do we know where he's going? Like, did he already go somewhere? He might have. I honestly don't remember. I don't think I follow him. But yeah, shout out to Larry Wise. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which player do you think takes the biggest leap to next year? Biggest leap. This is kind of tough. Is it I'll go, Abu? I'll go first. I think it's Abu. I think it's Abu. I think Abu is the starting caliber center. I don't know if he will start. I don't know if they'll bring anybody in, and this is what I want to get into. A lot of people are telling me the starting lineup next year is going to be Ruben, Drez. Um, who was it? It was Ruben, Drez, you know, some some with Michael, Michael Abu. Abu. <laughs> like, those four are going to start next year, something like that. I hate to break it to y'all, but this is a coaching staff that is not about to roll that starting lineup out. And that's no disrespect to those guys. Those guys are good. But this coaching staff is about to go get transfer portal players and junior college players. They already have three freshmen lined up that are all very good, right? So we're not worried about freshmen at this point. I think um, we said that, I mean, there were five seniors on this team. And then you had uh, Larry Leaf. So you had six scholarships. You have six scholarships, let's just say, to work with and you fill three of them with freshmen, the other three, I think there's no doubt in my mind, are filled with transfers of some sort. And they have to be starters. 
and like I think, in terms of what they what they are expected to be when they come in. Yeah, whether they do start or not, I don't know. Because if Dress plays really well, then right, like they can get but, outplayed, obviously. But. Yeah, but I think there's a world in which only Drez starts next year. I completely agree. I think that this team next year transfer be- talent um, pending based on based on the past that this team is going to be extremely deep next year. That's interesting. That's an interesting point. But you also brought up the concern of Grant McCaslin and the coaching staff have to find the next year on him. Oh, yeah. I said it in the car on the way back from Nova. You did. I was kind of asleep, but you, you I, didn't, I was awake. I don't think you've pulled out something like that on me in a, in, in a long time where I've said something <laughs> off air in, from that long ago. <laughs> so that's 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 13 hour drive away. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you, no, but like, that is a good point. Like you have to find your next Javion. Like championships aren't won off of good players. You have to have a gr- a player with a great you know, thing about him. It's it's not a skill. It can be the it, you know, whatever whatever you want to call it. Javon obviously had that because they still won games. Like, the best way to describe it is whenever they played Old Dominion and he was awful from the field, but he played great. Yes. You know what I mean? And and which player can do that right now on their team? Nobody. And yeah. I don't think that's, I mean, I don't think there's a problem saying that. Um, now, the, the only player currently on the roster that I think could have that is Ruben. Yeah. But... That needs Ruben, to be seen. We need to see if Ruben can that because that's a big, big, big step forward. No, that's it is, big. it is, and it is. But it's I a mean, necessary think, step for a team wanting to make championship. It doesn't have to be Ruben, but it has to be a player. I mean, I just, I really just assuming all the seniors are gone, which we don't know. We have no idea. Let's assume, yeah, like you said. Let's assume. I don't see a world in which this coaching staff doesn't bring in a lead guard and a center. No, or at absolutely. the very least, like a Dangu, versatile four or five type guy. Like, right? I think that is given. And then you fill in the rest there. Then you go either wing, probably, um, or just maybe another big. You know, there's a lot of different options there. Um, but that's I, I do want to tell fans. I just want to be like, you know, this is not just because these seniors leave doesn't mean that who's on the roster right now is going to start next year. The starting lineup is not going to be Ruben Jones, Marjorie McBride, uh, Michael Robinson, Terrence Lewis, and Abu Usman. That's not the starting lineup next year. I promise you. 100% promise you that's not the starting lineup. And that's not a shot to those guys because, like I said, I think all five of them could be really – I'm actually super high on Michael as well, actually. That might be my breakout candidate. You, I've told you this before. Michael is – Michael's legit. There's a reason Minnesota recruited him. Like physically, he's already there almost. He just needs to get right. He just needs. And around we saw now. it. We saw it at the end of the season. Yeah, the physicality so, part. And I was saying, Michael, even before he got playing time, like I, I didn't think he should have been playing. I think it was playing, like, season, it was like but... the first game of the season. You were like, "This dude is, he's gonna be dude." And I was like, "Why?" You said, "Just look at him. <laughs> just look at him dunk. Yeah. Look at him in the layup lines." Like, okay, that dude looks a little different from everybody else on this team. Um. So, anyways, yeah, I'm just saying, be ha- be patient. Um, we'll have you with all the recruiting scoops. Uh, don't worry about that. But I'm very excited for this offseason to see what this team does to see as they chase a third straight conference championship, Colin. Think about it. They're going for the three-peat. That'd be tough. You know, the Pistons couldn't do it. <laughs> the Spurs couldn't do it. They couldn't even... I mean, those teams couldn't even win two in a row. Incredible. But... 
we will see. Um, again, tremendous season. I feel like there's so many different parts in this that are going to be kind of taken out of context or whatever. That's like, okay. Let them. Oh, Let them. You didn't give them enough credit. They won the championship. Again, if you want to listen to a podcast where we just repeat, this team is great for five minutes, smash the like button and <laughs> and we'll do it. We'll do it. You know what? If you just want to hear us say this team is great for five minutes on repeat, we'll do it. We'll just loop so, it. But let It'll us know. Let us know what you this think. This team is great. Let us know what you think. Um, what players overachieved, underachieved, properly achieved. Um, be honest with yourself because that's the only way we get anywhere. Um, <laughs> wow, life advice. <laughs> that's the only way you get anywhere. But anyways, yeah. Thank you for joining us. Uh, subscribe to Mingering Twenty Four Seven. Subscribe to Bruni's Breakdown Podcast on Apple. Po- on Apple, on SoundCloud, leave us a five-star rating and review. We're still at 49 reviews, damn it. Leave us one more review, please. And thank you. Also, um, we hate Barstool here, so, mm, you know. Anybody who likes Barstool, hell. stealing my stuff, listen, man. Yeah, we don't rock with you. Mm-mm. <laughs> we don't do it. Nope. Anyways, um, what else? What else? What else? What else? Uh, follow Colin on Twitter at CJH Mitchell. Me on Twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore and Mean Green 24-7 at Mean Green 24-7. Thank you all for joining us. And North Texas are still the champs.